thank you, Father, once again this morning. Father, for the ministry of the word, we just come to you. Pray, Lord, that you, Lord, you would bless us this morning by your word. Father, it is not my word, Lord. It is your word. It's a privilege, O oh Lord, that you ch- still choose earthen, broken, unclean vessels like me, Father, to bring your word. O oh, Father, I pray that you would cleanse me this morning, that you would cleanse this vessel which is holding the word. And I pray, Lord, that you would impress this word into the deepmost parts of our heart. Father, that Lord, whatever is spoken, O oh Lord, that we will not, Father, be offended but we will test every word that comes, not only the letter, but the spirit behind it as well. And Lord, we will receive it into our spirits and let it bear fruit in our lives. Whatever is not of God, let it fall to the ground this morning. And whatever is of you, let it not come back void until it has accomplished its purpose in our lives. Father, to that end, I pray that you would anoint us. Anoint our hearing and anoint our speaking. Pray, Lord, you would be glorified through everything. It's not about us, O oh Lord. It's not about any one of us. It is about you. And it's about your son. Lord, this morning, I pray, Father, that Lord, every one of us will take our focus away from ourselves this morning and will focus only on you this morning. That you would speak to us. That we will be like Father, servants waiting to hear from our God. Children waiting to hear from their heavenly Father. Thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So if you were there last Wednesday, we, I mean, this coming, last Wednesday, we, we heard about the obedience of Christ. What does it mean to uh, obey? And what is God uh, taking us to? He's taking us to the point where we'll obey Him. The faith that produces obedience. That is the purpose of the gospel. It is just not... Uh, Getting saved, it, 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 it entails a lot of other factors as well. And uh, obedience that God desires from us is just not any obedience. It's obedience that was displayed in his son. Yeah, so uh, we have looked at that and how, we, how uh, God works in us in order to produce that obedience. And you, there's a very interesting verse in the Bible, which uh, which I'm going to read before I before uh, we go into the meat of the message, which will kind of position this uh, position the entire series that we've been studying on. It's it's found in Revelation chapter 17, verses 14, verse 14, and this is in the English Standard Bible. It says, "They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them." For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings and those with him are called, chosen and faithful. Those who are with the Lamb were called, they were the chosen and they were the people who remained faithful. If you remember, 10 years back when Pastor started this church, the first message upon which this church was built upon was this verse. Revelation chapter 17 verse 14 upon which he said, many are called. Few are chosen. And of the few that are chosen, only a few will continue to walk steadfastly until they end their race with faithfulness, with faith. And this is not an easy thing to be faithful till the end. 
Uh, in the parable of the importune widow, when this widow is coming and banging at the doors of the judge's court over and over again, even the unrighteous judge says, you know what, I don't fear God, I don't care about the poor, but this look at this woman, keeps on banging at my door, I will give her justice, otherwise she'll eat my head. And, 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 and uh, Jesus says, did you hear what the unrighteous judge said? Will not God answer his elect? Who night and day cry out for him for justice. But then he says, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You see? See, this is very important to be faithful to the end. You know, somebody was saying, Lord, make me faithful. Pay attention. What does it mean to be faithful? How does God produce this faithfulness? Revelation, if you just look at, glean through Revelation a few verses, one more verse in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, this is what he says, a special blessing upon the people who study the book of Revelation. I remember the first Bible study series that we had in our church was from the book, book of Revelation. That is how the Wednesday service started. We started the Wednesday service from the book of Revelation. That was the first Bible study series. Pastor, verse by verse, went up. And he's, the first verse we looked at, the blessing, a special blessing upon those who study the book of Revelation. And by the way, it is a scary book. And one of the things that we can conveniently avoid because there are some truths which are so hard to digest even among believers. You see? I mean, two books, many believers really struggle to read because it scares them. Hebrews and and Revelation. Both these books scare believers. And look at the kind of um, blessing that God, John pronounces on the people who read the book of Revelation. Blessed is the one who reads so there are a lot of people who read. Mm-hmm. And how do they read? They read aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear. So it's obvious that not everyone who reads hears. Only a few hear. You see that same paradigm. Many are called. Only few hear. And we looked at that. What does hearing actually mean? It also means obedience, right? So many who read, blessed are, is the one who reads the book who hears what it has to say, and then those who keep. And those are the ones who are the called, who are the chosen, and who are the faithful. Not all who read hear, not all who hear keep. Because you just can't keep it just one day. You have to keep it to the end, to the rest of your life. And it is what we, what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in one single direction. And I'm, I'm telling you something very important, young people. I tell you, I mean, older people as well. If, if you want to master one skill, you need at least 10,000 hours of practice. 10,000 hours. Consistency. And those are the people, see, I'll tell you something, a lot of people come and, you know, to the top and, you know, they're just like a flash in the pan. They're gone. After a while, we don't even know them. But those people have consistently remained, I mean, any field for that matter. Those are the people who have persevered and never gave up 10,000 hours of, 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 of industry, of coaching is what it takes for one to be consistently successful. Okay. So, so those are the faithful. And by the way, the, the word faithful uh, and the word faith in the Greek language have the same root. It comes from the word pistis, which is faith. Pistos, which means faithful. So 
We know from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, we are, we studied this over and over in our church. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Therefore, you see, it is impossible. A lot of people, no, this is, this is very important to please God. Without faith is impossible. This is my beloved son on whom I am well pleased. Why? Because he was faithful. In every area of his life, he was faithful. Not not the way Moses was faithful. Moses was faithful as a servant, but Jesus was faithful as a son in every area and yet without sin. Faithful till the end. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 will say, For the good news that came to us just as to them, Came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Because they were not united by faith to those who heard it. You see they didn't find. The word of God did not find faith in them. And therefore did not produce any fruit in their lives. And you know that. 600,000 men who come and very few. Isn't that interesting? Statistics. 3 by 6,000. 600,000. That is the percentage of people who overcame. I mean, you can do the math. Unbelievable. Three by six thousand. That's the percentage. Two people into the promised land and one when, when Jesus came in glory. Three people entered into the promised land. Three. That is the reason why the disciples were so concerned. They said, Lord, will there be many who will be saved? Jesus said, he didn't even answer. Uh, he didn't say yes or no. He says, many will strive. Many will want to rather, but not not many will be able to do it. Strive yourself. You know, that's the word he uses. So, so how do we remain faithful? What are the, are the examples that God uses in the Bible to show how to grow in faithfulness? You see, Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 will say, I, don't, I didn't put it here. It says, a lot of people boast about their own goodness. A lot of people boast about their own goodness. And it says, but a faithful man who can find. Rare commodity. To find one faithful person. You see? So, how do we understand how to be faithful? And how? what are the, what are the uh, principles from... Uh, from which we can, I mean, we can learn from the Bible. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 3. And of course, this is talking about two individuals who are faithful. This is Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 onwards. Let me read. Therefore, I will read a few verses and we will, this is from where we'll understand and study. Therefore, holy brothers, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful. You see that? Faithful. Faithful to him who appointed him. As How was he faithful? Comparison. Just as Moses was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone. But he, but he who builds all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of our hope, firm unto the end. You see, two people, one from the Old Testament and two from the New Testament, both are 
given as examples for faithfulness. Moses who was faithful as a servant and Jesus who was faithful as a son. But you know what? When it comes to, came to attitude, I mean some of the principles, I, I just want to look at Moses, no? You just don't want to say, okay, I want to learn only from Jesus. It says, all these things have been written for our examples so that we can learn from them. If you've seen the movie, how many of you have seen Ten Commandments? Charleston Heston. Okay, that is not Ten Commandments, by the way. Okay, so Charleston Heston was the one who, I think that's the guy, I forgot his name, who enacted the part of Moses. Yeah. It's a very fantastic uh, dialogues in that. No, very interesting dialogues. Um, in the story, at least, Nefertari is the one who is in love with uh, Moses. And uh, Ramses is the one who wants the throne, but... It seems that Moses is the one who is going to be given the throne. So Nefertari loves Moses. But after a period of time, Moses realizes, long story short, who he actually is. And then he runs away um, and he finds uh, God. And he comes back with his wife, Zipporah. Right, you know in the story, right? And then after a while, then, you know, the plagues happen. And uh, the firstborn son is going to die. Pharaoh opens his mouth and he curses himself and... and uh, Nefertari is very, in the movie, it's not the, it's not what, it, what in, the, in the Bible, in the movie, it says, I'm just coming to the point, you know, uh, Nefertari comes and, and pleads with Zipporah, can you ask Moses to please uh, stop uh, from my son from getting killed? And Zipporah gives a fantastic answer. She, she looks at her and he says, you lost him when he went in search of his God. I lost him when he found his God. Finished. You lost him when he went in search for his God. I lost him when he found his God. And he's not going to listen to anybody. He's sold out to his God. I mean, I think that summarizes that one statement in that movie summarizes the entire life of Moses. You know, in the entire Bible, there's one guy who is called the meekest of all men. And it says, Moses was the meekest of all men. And God says, you're so meek, Moses, please write it down, that you are meekest. And some some people, some theologians say, I think Joshua wrote it down. And I don't think Joshua wrote it down, because look at the mathematical structure of the entire Torah. Uh, There's no corrections that happened. It was the Torah. No additions, no subtractions. And Moses said, God said, Moses, please write down. Yes, yes, Lord, you are the meekest man on the earth. Uh, Lord, did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah, please uh, write it down. And, you know, he just writes it down. You know, that is the reason why C.S. Lewis says, you know what? Humility is not thinking great about yourself, more about yourself, or thinking less about yourself, but humility is thinking about yourself less. He is so unassuming. I mean, that is incredible, right? He says he's so unassuming. He writes it down and says, okay, Lord, Moses was the meekest man. And by the word, the word meekest, you know, it's a superlative. In order to convey superlative in the Bible, they use double. Okay. So Moses was the meek, meek man. That's what it means. Meekest. Okay. Holy, holy. Okay. Abraham, Abraham. You see, it's an emphasis. He's a meekest man. Meaning how? Meek, meek. He was so meek. He was meeker than the meekest. That's the idea. So Hebrews chapter 3 will talk about this, this man. And he's saying, this is verse 2. It says, this is Moses who was faithful in all his house. And Jesus was just like him in that 
particular attribute. And by the way, where did this particular verse be, is being quoted from? This what particular verse is being quoted from Numbers chapter 12. And look at the context in which this, uh, this particular verse is being quoted. Let's read that together. Numbers chapter 12 verses 1 to 8. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. I mean, this is jealousy, okay? This is absolute jealousy and they are so frustrated that they are not getting the prominence that they are supposed to get. And they all got a little ruffled. And then they said, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? And they were just looking for opportunities to, you know, to, 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 to murmur and grumble against him. Problem is, you speak against any God-ordained authority... For sure, one person will hear it. Your prayers are not sure if God will hear it. You know, sometimes it says, those who, in whose heart there is no love for the law, even his prayer is an abomination. I'm not sure if your prayers will be heard of the Lord, but you speak against God's anointed, the Lord will definitely hear it. So if you want to give a call to God, speak something, something against God's people. Definitely will hear. And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, as we already said, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Boy, that means God just looked, glanced through the entire camp of Israel, 600,000, and he looked at Joshua and Caleb, still not humble. Not as much as humble. I mean, it's amazing. You know, he's looking at all the other people from, from one corner of the earth to the other corner, and he said, only this guy, the humblest man on all on the face of the earth. Then what happens? Look at what he says. In what context is this particular verse being mentioned? Look at what he says. He says, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of the meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward and he said, look at what he said. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant, for he is faithful in all my house. The New Living Translation says, he is the only person I can trust. It's amazing. He is looking at the entire camp of Israel and he is looking at Moses and he says, this is the only guy I can trust. Question, can the Lord trust you? What will he say about you this morning? Can he really trust you? Is only only person. Why he says not only not not even you, Miriam. I know you. When when everything goes well, you will say hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. When things go bad, you will also grumble with along along, the, along with the other people. Aaron, please don't even come near me. I know you. Few days, and you made a golden calf. And only one person I can trust. So how does he honor a person whom he trusts? Look at, look at what he says in verse 8. He says, I speak to him face to face, even plainly, not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You see that? This is the commendation of God against, I mean, toward for Moses. You see, you know, he says, to you, I speak in parables. Uh, riddles. That's what that's what Jesus told the, 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 the disciples. For them, I speak in parables. For you, 
it is known it is given to be known the mysteries of the kingdom i give you the mysteries the the revelation the mysteries is given only to the disciples but not to everyone only to those who are faithful but how did moses become faithful you see what is the process in which God took him in order to produce a guy who is faithful? You see, we cannot remain faithful in our own strength. Okay? See? how? What is the process through which God took him in order to produce faithfulness in him? So many of, so many, one of the prayer requests said, Lord, I want to be faithful. God is going to take you through a process. Children, parents here, I want to, have children who will be faithful and loyal to me and to the church, whatever. Lord has something for you this morning. How? How does God produce, or not produce, bring about a guy who is faithful in all his house? Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read it. And this is verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. You know how did it starts? You want to you have faithful children? It starts with the parents. Look at what it says. They saw he was beautiful. Okay, now scripture says twice that Moses was very good looking as a baby. Does it mean that no other child is beautiful. Recently just bumped into Cory Ten Boom. How many of you have heard the name Cory Ten Boom? She wrote of course the book Hiding Place. And her messages by the way the video messages are online. Okay. You can just enjoy her. In one of her sermons she gives the example of this pastor in whose church there used to be a guy who was special needs, what we call MR. Okay, I don't want to use the word mental retarder. We have, even in our own LHL. Who used to come faithfully week after week and he would sit in the first pew. The very first pew. And the pastor used to come and he used to preach Sunday after Sunday from the pulpit and he used to look at the, at the, at this guy and and he used, to, he, used to, he used to really be enamored by him. You know what? This guy is so faithful. I don't know how much of it, what I say, even he understands. And he's, this guy is coming week after week and week after week and week after week. And one day, pastor was preaching from Romans chapter 5. In the course of his message, he was, he was speaking from Romans chapter 5 verse 5. And he says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And immediately... When he heard the words, the love of God, he saw the expression in this guy changing. He had a smile on his face and the moment the pastor saw him, he forgot about the rest of the congregation and he started only speaking to the child. And he spoke to him and he spoke to him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is something which this experiment was done even in our LHL and Anisha can uh, say, whenever you play a message in LHL, you know what will happen to all those MR children, some of them? They smile. It's amazing. Right, Anisha? They smile. Some of them at least. 
And so this guy smiled that day and he was smiling and smiling when he just heard the word, the love of God and the pastor completely forgot about the congregation and he started speaking only to this guy, you know, simply coming down to his level and telling, and I don't know if his name is Tony or something, Tony, John, God loves you. He died for you. He created you. He made you in his own image and he has a plan for your life and that guy's smile became broader and broader and broader. And then after the service was over, he gave the benediction and went back home with his heart full. And he told his wife, you know something? This guy, Johnny, who comes faithfully week after week to the church, for the first time in my life, I saw him responding to a message. I want to go and visit him this night. I don't know what, I just want to just pray with him. So that evening, after supper, he goes to the child's home. He knocks at the door. A lot of people in the home. And then... They give him the news that the guy has died. Mother tells, after he came back from the church, he could not stop smiling, 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 smiling. He just went home. You know, every child therefore is beautiful. You know what Moses, I mean this is of course Hebrews chapter 11. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 4 verse 11. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is not I the Lord? Therefore, let me tell you something. Every child is precious in our eyes. You know something? When people from the government, they come to our homes, especially when they come to LHL, they're all stoned. Uh, I mean, they have a very bad, uh, I mean, at least a impression about Christians. The moment they come into LHL, their tails are between their legs. And they just shut their mouths and leave. They say, you know what? We have not seen anything like this before. And they just walk out. You see? You know, I remember pastor telling me, you know what, Vijay? You know why we pour our lives into those children? Because God gives them intrinsic value. Everyone is beautiful in our eyes. Every child, every child is beautiful. Even if your parents did not, you know, did not give you that kind of love, in the sight of God, you are beautiful. You need to understand that. And so let me ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, parents over here, does your child feel that she is beautiful in the eyes of her parents? That is she special? That she is accepted? You know, it's there in our own, in, in our, especially in our South India culture. You have, you know, studies is given such a high priority. The guy with the brains, he's going to IIT and everybody's sorry about IIT, 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 IIT. You know, but one guy is not doing very well. What do you do? Bible college. That's exactly what to do. It's unbelievable. And they don't even care. I mean, I remember you, you have to listen to Ravi Zachariah's testimony. He's, you know what his father said? One day you will be ashamed to our family. You're going to go to jail. You'll be a disgrace to us. Look at him today. Look at him. What his father never thought was beautiful was beautiful in the sight of God. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. God believes that you are beautiful even though his parents, your parents don't believe that you're beautiful. Every child is special. That is how it starts. It starts with that assurance given to your child that he is special in the eyes of his parents. That is the reason why you know what God says. Why did I make them one? I made them one so that they can have godly offspring. That they will experience.
experience love and discipline in the homes. It's in, it's so rare to see both a balance of both in God's in 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 the, in the lives in the, in, the, in Christian families where people are both loving. And they're also disciplined. What does, what does a child need? He needs love. He needs discipline. He needs love. He needs discipline. What does, what does congregation need? They need love. They need discipline. So what they get in church at home, they should also get in church. And what they get in church, they should also get in home. So, what happened? The child was beautiful. So what did they do? They did not go and display. <laughs> you know? Psalm 23, Jepo. And then, and then, please come. No display. They hid him. And they were not afraid of the king's orders. What was the king's orders? Kill him. Okay, let me tell you something. If you want to raise godly children, okay, here, carefully, potential parents, okay, if you want to raise godly children, it is not going to come without a fight. The entire system is going to be anti-you. What does our country want? A uniform civil code. Everybody should be uniform. Wear those whatever, chedis like that and walk. That's what they want. Uniform. But God makes everybody different. Different. You know what? That's what, when I, when I hear to different preachers, I mean, even when I heard yesterday, I said, Lord, that is a unique expression of you through a new vessel. It's unique. It cannot be duplicated. It's absolutely one piece. And if you want to bring up godly children or anything in Christian life, you cannot get it without a fight. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life which you have been called and made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Okay? What does it mean? No fight, no blessing. Got it? Everybody? Say that. Loudly. Okay. Another, another thing. Blessing without a fight is equal to entitlement. Say that. You, you can write this equation which I heard from a man of God. Okay. He said, consumption without contribution is equal to entitlement. That's a very nice economics terminology. Consumption without contribution is equal to entitlement mentality. In other words, what we teach ourselves as well as our children is that if you want to have a reward, you need to what? Earn it. But you already have it. Because you are my son. See. It was called the what land? But you have to fight. Oh the promises are not just going to come and fall on your lap. God. What is God's will for everyone that they should work? It is not any. What, what does it say? If you have not worked you should not eat. That means you should not consume without contribute. I mean, that is, of course, like yesterday we heard, there will be two extremes. A lot of people consume without contribution, that is entitlement. lot of people are proud. They only want to contribute, never want to consume. What are they? They are the benefactors. 
Oh, no, 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 no. God says, no, no. In a body, you know what? The mouth eats and digests and sends the energy back to the hand which feeds. You, you understand? Okay, so the point here is you cannot earn anything. If God has promised something into your life, you have to fight for it. That's what Pastor kept telling us. Vijay, God has promised, but we need to fight. We need to pray. We need to fast because God has promised. God says that he's going to give you a job. But are you searching? I've changed my WhatsApp status to at work now. I was speaking to Akshat the other day. At work. You need to be really at work. You need to prove to God that you are desperate. Uh, you know, remember Ravi Zak's <laughs> very interesting joke that he's talked about this uh, guy. Of course, he talked about it in the context of evolution, but one, des- one guy desperately looking for a job. He can't find a job and finally uh, he looks at the newspaper and he finds it in the advertisement column. Uh, work hiring at the zoo. He's so desperate now. He says, okay, fine. Let me go to the zoo now. So he goes to the zoo and he sits for the interview and they said, uh, you need to act like the monkey. He said, what? No, children are coming, but we have no one monkey. One monkey is not there. I think one uh, orangutan or something is not there. We'll give you the orangutan costume. It will just look like orangutan. All you have to do is swing from one one tree to the other and do some gymnastics and and you know eat their bananas and their peanuts. So oh, that's all you need to do. Nobody will know. So he said, okay, and the money was good and he was so desperate. So he said, okay, fine. So he goes, he puts on the costume, he looks at himself, looks, looks himself in the mirror and he's scared and he says, oh my goodness, that's uh, me. And he's, he can't believe himself and then he goes into the cage and he's swinging from one uh, one tree to the other and the children come and they start giving him bananas. So he nicely, gladly eats the bananas and he gladly eats the peanuts and after a while, bananas and peanuts have become a little too much now and he can't swing anymore but he nevertheless tries. So he goes and he starts swinging and he goes dizzy and he just leaves the rope and he falls into the next cage where there's a lion. Boom! He falls into the... And then he has a shock of his life. He says, help, help! And he hears a voice, shut up, otherwise we both will lose our jobs. You see, desperate. Desperate for any work. And I, I remember some you know, one guy was uh, who came to our church some time back. I don't think he's going to listen to this message anymore. Anyway, so I can, you know, he says, Pastor, I need a job, I need a job. Uh, I'm not getting a job. You are so desperate. Yes, he said, Pastor, yes. You know what? There is a watchman job for you in my LHL. Will you do it? Watchman job? Huh? Watchman? Minimum? 50K? You see but that is what we call contribution, I mean consumption without contribution, entitlement, you'll see that, no? And you, you, you will never get anything without a fight, my dear brothers and sisters. You see, the promises are always given to you. The blessings are always preceded by work, obedience. So, if you want to raise up children, there is a promise. But if you want to Acquire that promise for yourself. There is a commandment. Commandment, blessing. Commandment, blessing. Say that. Commandment, blessing. Commandment, 
Okay, look at the commandment first. Train up a child in the way that he should. And when he is old, he will not. This is it. First is a command. Train up a child, which is difficult. Most people want to outsource their children. You know, I remember our, our neighbor, she, I mean, our landlord, she teaches math tuition. You know, they dump their children, essentially. And they say, Madam, my child is very good in uh, every other subject, except in mathematics. Somehow pass her. Somehow. In other words, please go to the examination and do something also, at least if need be. See? Somehow. Somehow pass her. You, and because training up, you need discipline, you need to be trained first. It's not easy. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. That means you, should, you, uh, you as a father have to have an instruction and you as a mother have to have a teaching. Do you have an instruction? Do you have a teaching? Do you have stuff inside of you to teach? Is a question. Train up a child and when he is old, he may not. Oh, no, no, no. He will not. That's what everything, every blessing is always preceded by a command. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Three commands. And then he will direct your paths. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Then your barns will overflow with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You see, first, always, always, blessing is preceded by obedience and no obedience, no blessing. You will not get what God has promised you if you will not obey what is needed of you to do. You know, think about it, you know, in eternity, one man of God said this, you know, in eternity, you know what God is going to show you? He's going to just open the curtain and he's going to show you and he say, you know, this is all that you could have had. In your life. All that you could have had. You know, that's the reason why it says, an unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. It's, 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 it's true. Because genius think that they don't have to work. So, Imram and Yoshebel, they take it very seriously. Look at what they do in Exodus chapter 2. This is divine providence, by the way. If your heart is right with God, He is going to make everything ordered for your good. All things work together for the good. So, Exodus chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Look what happens. The Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go! So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Can you imagine? Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. What happened to the child? He, the child, grew. There was growth. How much did he grow? How do you measure his growth? This is found in Hebrews chapter 11. After 23 comes 24, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, or he came of age, that's what we say, right? This guy has come of age. Ante, banda ban gaya. Okay? Chota se, banda. Okay, banda ban gaya. Moses, when he became of age, grown up, in other words, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. Have we grown old or have we grown up? Is a question we constantly keep asking from this pulpit. How many of you have grown old from last year? Are already some of you are walking in Enoch's footsteps. Immortality. Are you? 
unashamedly grown old how many of us have grown up is a question growing old natural process aim jayavasamle that is what we call as bios tinadam thagadam that's all that you need to do and you will grow automatically okay pravina kada so look at what he says have you then the question how do we know that we are grown up look at this verse by faith moses when he became of age refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of god than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin so many things happening the sign of growing up is that you have the discernment to know what to reject and you have the discernment to so, to know what to accept you have the discernment to say no to what you are supposed to say no to and yes to what you are supposed to say yes to and that's exactly what is showing her so are we able to make godly eternal choices based upon the instruction that we have received that is how we know that we have grown up you see you see it's very interesting right in first corinthians chapter 10 it, it says all of them were baptized into moses all of them ate the same spiritual food they also drank the that means they all had the same food on the table but only two grew up the rest of them just remained children all their lives that is the reason why they are called what of israel children of israel they are not called the sons of israel they are called children 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 till the day the children of israel the children of israel the children of israel are we able to make godly eternal choices based upon the instructions that we look at what it says in hebrews chapter 5 we know this was very well for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is still a babe but solid food belongs to those who are of full age you see that full age that that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both evil and good you see that and this is my prayer philippians chapter 1 verses 9 to 11 and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and the praise of the lord you see how do we make decisions for example you know many lot of us we have had we went through those phases whom should we marry what career to take should we marry or not at all how do we know answer for many people go and ask the pastor whatever pastor says we will do so that conveniently one day we can blame him you were the one who were in charge you told you only told no you only you only told okay that is what they say but they will never take responsibility that's all children who did it amajeshin okay so how do we know you know god's way of making people discern his will is something completely different he does not give them please marry don't marry like in the old covenant he told jeremiah thou shall not marry so we are expecting in the new covenant he will also say vijay marry or i mean of course now i don't have a choice the other choice but you know marry okay how do we know it's how did paul know 
that he should not marry. He never spoke in the new covenant that one day the Lord appeared to me in a vision and he said, Paul, thou shalt not marry. No? Nothing. You know what he says? Think about it. No, he says he was looking, looking at his own life. Apostle. 39 times I was beaten. Three times shipwreck. Several times without food. Nakedness, peril, often on the sea. I don't know if I'm going to go home. Do I want my wife to take care of all me and also and go through this tremendous trauma as to what's going to happen to me? Baba, I know my calling. The smartest thing to do is not to marry. And ensure that that girl, whoever it is, is safe. That is how we discern. What does it mean? You know what God does in the new covenant? He makes us into people who have the ability to choose what is right and what is best. What is the best for us? He makes us into that. That is the reason why it is not an easy thing. It is a constant, constant, long walk. That, what, what, is, what does he say in Romans chapter 2? That you may be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that which is good, acceptable and the Perfect. The best. Lot of people will be satisfied with the good. And the good way, as all know, is the enemy of the best. You see that? So, this man is able to make a choice. And the best choice could Moses have made a better choice in the light of eternity. Think about it. Think about it. Think think about it. Okay, he didn't enter in the promised land. Who had the privilege of visiting Jesus in glory? And speaking and conversing about his death. It's something, it's, it's incredible. That is, that, and you know what, what, no, at that instant, you know what, I don't know if Moses really had all these things in his mind. If looks, uh, looking, looking back in his life, he would, have, he would have said, you know what, I would never trade my life for anything other than this. What has, he, what has happened to him? He became a man so that he could understand what is God's will for his life. And that's exactly what has happening here in this church. We don't tell you what to do, where to go, what to study, etc., etc. We want you to become the kind of people God wants you to become so that you can decide upon yourself by yourself. Of course, we take counsel from elders. We take counsel from, from godly, godly mentors. You see, first thing. So what does, what does, what does, what does, what does, uh, uh, Moses understand? He understands one thing. These are the things which I have to say no to. You know, we have to say no. Say no. Emphatic. Fantastic. So look at what it says in Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Okay. Who gave himself for us, etc. So that is how he's able to discern. Then, by, fo- by faith Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Refused, choosing, enjoy. Okay? In other words, he didn't care about his pedigree. Very difficult. In other words, he was willing to identify himself with the lowest of people just because they were God's people. You know what it means? If we are believers, 
we are willing to identify ourselves with people whom God approves. They could be poor, they could be slaves, they could be rich, they could be whatever, whatever background they come from, that is not important for us. Amazing, even in our own church, we have brothers from all over the world. We just love each other. Isn't that amazing? I'll tell you why this is important. At least in our culture. You will not know if you have prejudices in your heart until you have been tested. Okay? So I will tell you a personal testimony. Personal means not 25 years back. One week back. Last week. As you all know that we have not got our marriage license yet. Yeah? For whatever reasons. So they will reject for whatever reason now. They said uh, you don't have community certificate. Please go to the MRO's office and collect one community certificate. So I said, okay, fine, let me go. So I went to the MRO's office. I'll tell you something, I mean, it's been a stripping of your prejudices, literally. Okay, I went to the MRO's office and I said, sir, I want a community certificate. He looked at me and said, uh, what is your name? Vijay uh, Itakota. Okay, uh, go to the e-seva, there will be an application form, pay the chalan and come here. So I went to the Yiseva, it's packed with people. They asked me to remove my shoes because I was entering into holy ground. So I removed my shoes, entered into holy ground and I went to the guy who was in charge of me, Seva, and I said, uh, Sir, uh, I need a community certificate. I'm a Christian. He looked at me and he said, uh, I'm, I'm Christian? Converted Christian? Ah, converted Christian! In the packed office, okay. Converted Christian, converted Christian. Application form, please. And I was like, my goodness, BJP government over here. Uh, I, was, I, 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 I said, first first thing that came to my mind is B, uh, BJP government. Community certificate. I said, okay. Uh, then I went to that lady to, please, madam, please give me that community, whatever he's saying, give me that application form. Uh, she gave me one application form. Scheduled tribe application. I said, madam, uh, I'm not uh, scheduled tribe. Andar okate. Okay, application form. Write down. It's unbelievable, okay? I, 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 was, I, was, I was shocked for a while because I never in my life experienced this. My parents taught me. No reservation. Okay, whatever, no? We were proud of that. And we used to look down upon people. Reservation candidate. Okay, that was my prejudice, okay? And wherever I used to go, what are you? My mother is an I do. Uh, okay, and, and, and this, and this lady was looking, uh, she said, okay, under application from sir, schedule tribe, whatever, right, Christian. I mean, you know, everybody, and I wouldn't believe it, everybody in the office is looking at me like a traitor. You traitor, you converted fellow. And I'm like, okay, I just wrote it down, you know, Vijay, Takota, etc., Christian, and then I just, uh, typed that application and I gave it to her. Then he said, please talk to that in charge. So he said, sir, what is that certificate I'll get? Uh, Miru, BCC can go sorry, He's shouting loudly, okay? I mean, like, can you keep quiet, please? Shh. Okay, okay. BCC can go sorry, Miru. And, you know, I, I just took the application. I said, okay, whatever. Because, you know, I was, I was only looking at my congregation. They need a marriage license. And I was <laughs> gulping all that. And I said, okay, fine. Whatever it is, I, I never in my life went like this for any any certificate. No? I and mean, I was getting all this righteous anger, indignation, what have, what have, whatever you want to call it. 
So I took that and I went to the office there to submit the application form and the guy looked at me and he said, Sir, why did you even fill it? You don't belong to it. I said, yeah, exactly. That is the point I'm trying to tell you. You know, I was going back on the bike and I was thinking, Lord, why this embarrassment? You know what God was telling me? They called me a Samaritan. And to make matters worse, because I had a doubt, I called one pastor who already did this, you know, and he gave me some interesting advice. He said, Vijay, that is nothing, Vijay. That is, you know, Mala, Madiga and Raya and and converted from Mala, Madiga, that one thing will be there. It is not a... I'm like, oh my God, am I hearing this? Of all the words, I have to hear that. Came back home, I didn't even tell pastor. I was so embarrassed. You know, the Lord told me, he said, you know what, Vijay? They called me Samaritan. And they said that I had a devil. You know what I was telling the Lord? I said, Lord, I would have taken the word devil. Not uh, mala or whatever. It was, I was, I was offended. But you know something? It was such a tremendous lesson to expose my prejudice deep down inside of my heart. Because we all have Prejudices in our minds. Unbelievable. You know what Moses does? Slaves, I would rather be with you because you're God's people. Forget about Moses, okay? The son of God. Think about the kind of environment that he was living in. Up! Absolutely holy, holy, holy environment. And he has to come in the form of a man. And then at the table where no everybody was watching. Are you ever washed yes, Who's going to wash? Because the, the bond servant, the lowest of the servants in, in the house were the people who used to come and wash the feet. And you know what Jesus did? Threw his outer garments. He was looking at all the disciples and he said, you know what? <laughs> Tied up. Started washing. Peter became a little more righteous. And he said, Lord, no, 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 no. If, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have no part in me. You, not me. You don't have any part in me. Because I identify with everybody, the lowest in the society. I do that. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, sometimes I, I get stunned when when. Marriage alliances happen in Christian families. They are after caste. Chaudhary converted Christian. Looking for fair. No, no, not fair. Telugus will use white. White. White converted Kamma only. Kapulu, Kammalu, Nayadlu, Reddilu. So we have ready Christians and there's one big compound in Secunderabad called Tathachari compound. That is only ready Catholic Christians. Nobody else is allowed to buy property over there. Sanjeev ready, Malla ready, all ready. Miravarandi, Christian. Unbelievable. And you know what Moses does? Forget it God. He strips himself off. 
If you've seen the movie, you know, one of the poignant scenes where Nefertari comes and looks at Moses, and he's in that, in that, in that mud, in that slime, and he's with the slaves, absolutely mudded all over the place, and he's stinking. And what he says, I'd rather identify myself with God's people. Do you have prejudices, my dear brothers and sisters? If you have prejudices, in 1000 years, you will not be faithful. No, there was this, that's a, that was a problem with Apostle Paul, no? Apostle Paul was like this, this, this top shot Jew, a stud of a Jew, if you will. And you know what he says? Philippians chapter 3 verses 4 to 10. Though I also have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm also circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. And he's like, he's very, very careful about the tribe also. Benjamin! Not Reuben, not Gerd, not Simeon. No, 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 no. Benjamin! Son of God's right hand. I'll tell you why this is important. It's, it's gonna come. Benjamin only. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal only. Baptist, Methodist, as my uncle used to say, Baptist, Methodist, all are Papist. Everybody. Circumcised on the earth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of heresy, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning righteousness of the law, blameless. You tell me who has a better resume than this Apostle Paul. Can you tell me? And you know what? All of us, we were sinners when we came to the Lord. No? We were all sinners. We knew with we odds, we all sinned. You know what Paul is saying? When I was, before I was converted, when I was, when you talk to me about the righteousness of the, of the law, I'm blameless. You know what? Paul was the one guy who had to repent of his righteousness, not of his sin. Not of his righteousness, not of his sin, of his righteousness. Unbelievable. It's very interesting. Converted Brahmin Christava Sangam. It stinks. It doesn't matter what you discuss there. But what things gained to me, you know what I did? I considered it as dung. In Telugu it is even more graphic, penta. It's all dung. To me. Do you have that attitude? Why? You know what he says? Because we are the circumcision. Who worship God in the spirit, who enjoy Jesus Christ and who have absolutely no confidence in our flesh. It doesn't matter what kind of a background we come from. I know that in my flesh there is nothing good, he says in Romans chapter 7. Nothing good. Hmm. Do we have this attitude? Before we go to the next slide. They refuse to be called choosing to suffer, rather suffer persecution. Than to enjoy. In Acts chapter 10, you know, there's another example. Peter was asked to eat. Oh Lord, don't you know, I'm kosher. And that's what he, you know, he had to weave. He had this, this attitude of Peter, this prejudice was there right deep down inside of his heart. And one guy who was completely dead to it had to confront it. One day this fellow, all those believers from Antioch came. And I mean, I think from Jerusalem came to the church in Antioch. If I'm right. And Peter, but till that time he was nicely fellowshipping the Jews. Are miru mama, kote kote mama. You know, so then, then suddenly what happened? 
the test happened. Suddenly juice came. Slowly he withdrew. Why? Volume on Kundaru. And immediately Paul stands up and he says, you being a Jew, I mean he calls him, he says, you being a Jew, live like the Gentiles. How are you expecting the Gentiles to live like Jews? What are you talking about, Peter? Get out of this hypocrisy. I heard your testimony. Hmm. Somebody's feathers got ruffled this morning. I'm sure because it, 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 it convicts my heart too. I mean, who's there without prejudice? If it's not education, then it is background. I mean, if it's not caste, it is educational background, financial background. Whatever prejudice is there, you will pre- be, you will be prejudiced. You know, remember there was uh, there was uh, Rabbi Zagar, I think again he was saying, you know, in one island there was a guy who was living all by himself and he was re- rescued. After he was rescued, and he had a home and he had two two buildings. Then the guys who rescued him they asked him, "What is this?" He said, "This is my home." And they, they pointed out the other building. What is that? That is the church that I go to now. And they said, "What is that?" They said, "That is the church I I used to go." One guy. Hmm. So while, while Peter, so God had to break this. While Peter was, while Peter talking with them, while talking with the Peter went inside and found a large gathering of the people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with the Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. I was giving them a commendation. So when I sent, so when, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent, sent for me? Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came. Amazing. You know, God always circumvents the algorithm. The algorithm was believe, baptize, fill with the Holy Spirit. I know. You fellas, I'm going to do a miracle. Believe, be filled with the Holy Spirit, then I will baptize. Why? The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. But the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking. And then Peter says in Acts chapter 11, he says, uh, this is verse uh, 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections. Praise God saying, so then even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. God sees everybody equally. Sorry, this is Judges chapter 2. Remember this? Judges chapter 12. There were two tribes, the Gileadites and the Ephraimites. So every time an Ephraimite used to, I mean, a Gileadite used to pass through, they used to, uh, when the Gileadite, Ephraimite used to pass through, they used to ask him, are you an Ephraimite? Uh, they said, uh, yes. Then say, Shibboleth. Uh, if they were really Ephraimite, I mean, Gileadites, they would say, uh, Shibboleth. And if they were Ephraimites, they would say, Siboleth. Somebody don't Kill him. I mean, this is among believers. Shibboleths among believers. That's what Zach Bunen calls it. You know, once I understood one thing after being in a ministry for a few years, to be a minister of God, you need to have a large heart. Doesn't matter. 
you should be having the ability to love every kind of people from every background. Not the only people who, you know, are intellectually your brainwave. I mean, your what brainwave, whatever, what wave, whatever wave. You see. Ha! Huh. Are you an Ephraimite? Etc. Okay. So that is how Peter, uh, sorry, Moses identified. And then what happened? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than the pass, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You know, one of the things you identify a believer who's growing up, his attitude toward conscious sin. Got it? Not unconscious sin because we don't know the things that we don't know about, obviously. But conscious sin. You know, sin for a believer, by the way, is different, no? If you know the thing that you ought to do, and you don't do it, it is sin. If you do that, if you know that the thing that you should not do, and you do it, it is sin. Anything which is of, not of faith is sin. So for, 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 for a believer, the definition of sin is not the way the world looks at sin. It's completely different. And therefore, you know, this is something which is, which is, which was, which was something which was radical in my own life. You know, we, we all struggle with sin for sure at different levels. And one of the struggles young people have is with bad thoughts. Now, and different manifestations of it. I don't want to give graphic details as to what the manifestations are. But, you know, and, and, and sin is, by the way, pleasurable. We know that. But what kind of a pleasure is it? Passing pleasure. Now, yesterday when uh, the Cyril was talking about, he said, a very interesting point. I mean, I was so many things that he was speaking, you know, I, it was my convictions. I was so, I was enjoying, you know, he, you know, he said something. God is not against pleasure. He loves pleasure. And that pleasure only he can give, which is lasting, not passing. Passing pleasure only brings death. It will give you delight for a few minutes. After it is over, you feel so guilty. Right? Everybody? Yeah. Why did I do? Why did I get angry? Why did I break the whatever? No. Why did I do it? Because at that moment you were enjoying it. God is not against it. You know, but what God wants us to do is, He wants to find out what pleases Him. So that when we do the things that please Him, we also will enjoy pleasure. For example, for example, you love somebody a lot. Okay? And you go out of the way to help that person. You know, going through financial crisis, whatever it is, you go out of the way to help that person and everything is done, that person looks at you and he says, he or she says, you know what, which I thank you so much for being such a great help. And what would your answer be? Don't mention it. It was, it was, 
It was complete. It was my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You see, the moment you gave the person you love pleasure, and when he reciprocated accordingly, what happens? You get boy. She enjoyed it. On the other hand, if she doesn't, also you don't matter. It doesn't matter to you because you love that person. You just do it regardless whether he reciprocates or not. Now, the point is this. Does God reciprocate to us? Absolutely. You know what he says? I am no man's debtor. No man's debtor. And if you do the things that please him, I mean, why do you do the things that please him? Because you love him. And John Piper gives a beautiful example. He says, Think about it. No, he think, he says, think about, it. he says, uh, uh, it's your anniversary or 20, 10th year's anniversary. Okay. 10th year anniversary or 11th year anniversary. 11th year is a good number because we're in the 11th year of the church. Okay. For us, it is 11 years, 11th year. So 11th year anniversary, I just have a bunch of flowers, 10 red roses and one white rose in the middle. Everybody's laughing. Hmm? Good. Okay. So I just made a nice bunch bouquet. And that day I come early home. Never happens usually. I come home early and my wife looks at me. Hey, in the Kuchishna, the Tundra, why did you come so early? Uh, I say, honey, happy anniversary. And she looks at me and she says, oh, Vijay, you didn't have to do this. I mean, she never says that, but you know. <laughs> she, oh, Vijay, you didn't have to do this. If I would say, Justin, that's my duty. You know what's going to happen to me? Touch! I mean, not that graphic, but equivalent, whatever. Okay, oh, it is my, it is my duty, you know. You know what a loving husband, I know what a loving husband is supposed to be. He's supposed to get flowers, chocolates, and whatever. So I got them, one, two, three, tick mark. Okay, don't eat my head. That is what she will infer. But on the other hand, I tell her, Jacinth, just to see that smile on your face. And gives me joy. And what happens to her? Oh, I mean, automatically reciprocation comes, you see. The when I see the joy in her face, I reciprocate with pleasure. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. He says, you know what? Sacrifices, burnt offerings you did not desire. A body you have prepared for me. Lord, I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. And when I see my father pleased, infinite joy, pleasure. You know something? Many believers are not able to overcome sin is because they have never tasted the pleasure that actually God can give you. They are satisfied with the pleasures of sin which are only fleeting. That is an experience. It's subjective. Even though it is an objective truth, it is a subjective reality. It is reality. You have to exp- I can only tell you 
You see, every love story is different, right? I know one of the reasons why we love love stories, even though they're the same over and over again, same story. No, everybody, everybody sees love stories. Why? It's like sambar. Why do South Indians like sambar? They love sambar. Oh my goodness, you can give me sambar 365 days a year. I will just, I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy it. Why? There's something in it that echoes of the pleasure that God brings inside of us when we please Him. When we please Him. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, I told you that the, the, the bond servant, what does he do when he, after seven years, six years is over and the bond servant is supposed to be released and he says, Master, 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 I love you, Master, I love you, Master, I love you, Master. I was just, I just, just too good for me, Master. What do you want me to do? I don't want to, I want to stay with you forever. You know what, what, what is going to master do? The master is going to take his ear and he's going to put a hole into his ear and from that time onwards the servant is telling, I am your bond servant. I listen to you only. I take orders from you and whenever I do your wish, it gives me pleasure. It's like a pune in the, in the office, right? He's, he's outside the door of the officer and tang dang he goes. But in, this time he's not going with duty. He's just, Waiting to hear. It says in uh, Proverbs chapter 8, it says, Blessed are those who wait daily at my gates. You know, I I got this picture when when I went to a senior IPS officers. Again, when for my marriage license, I visited every government office possible. Except jail. Oh, I went to the police station also. Yeah, yeah, forgot. Interview with SI. Yeah. So, uh, this, I went to, I went to the Telangana, I, uh, the IPS officer's place, right? I don't know what they call it. You should see that place. It's like, it's like power zone. All the IPS officers just, when they march that place, everybody. Attention, salute, civilians have to be shivering. And then I was just waiting for this gentle gentleman. And then you know what? There's one personal secretary. He's just waiting for the master's bell. Ding dong. Sir. It's done. It's done. It's done. You know, that fellow is doing out of duty. I saw that picture. You know, it's like, I'm just waiting at the door of Jesus. I'm saying, Lord. Yes, Lord. What do you want? Yes, Lord. I'm going to do this. My pleasure, Lord. My pleasure. That's the difference. My pleasure. So what does it mean? It means we have to find out what pleases God. You got that, everybody? How do we find out? Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 to 10. For at one time you were darkness. It's amazing. He's not saying you were walking in darkness. He's not saying that you are speaking lies. He's not saying that you are gossiping. He's saying you are a gossip. There's a lot of difference. You're not speaking less, you are a lie. You're not walking in darkness, you are darkness. That's what it means. But now you are what? Not walking in the light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then you should do what? Everybody say, read this together. Try to discern what is 
pleasing to the Lord. In other words, you will never be able to discern what pleases the Lord unless you're walking in the light. How do you know that you're walking in the light? He says, if you walk in the light, as he's also in the light, when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and the blood of Jesus Christ will constantly cleanse you. But if you say that you're without sin, you make him a liar. In other words, you know what you're doing? You're saying, Lord, my life is transparent. Whatever you want to point out, however you want to point out, whatever vessel you choose to point out, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I will obey. I want to walk in the light. And when you do that, you will know, discern what pleases God. So many believers, they have no idea what pleases God. Just walking in Ignorance and a thinking that one day they'll go to heaven. What a deception. If you have not overcome sin, if you walk according to the flesh, you will, uh, everybody say, die. The wages of sin is death. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you don't kill sin, it will kill you. But the way to kill sin is not, no, 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 that is not Epstein. Abstinence is not the key. You know, I think Chalmers, if I'm right, Thomas Chalmers wrote a beautiful sermon. He calls it the expulsive power of a competing affection. Expulsive power of a competing affection. What is expulsive power of a competing affection? This is Mr. John. Okay, Mr. John. He doesn't like to shave his beard. Okay. And he enjoys not shaving. He is Mr. Virat Kohli. Okay. He enjoys not shaving. He enjoys not taking bath. That gives him pleasure. One day he falls in love with Mary. And John met Mary. She says, Johnny, yeah, my love. I don't like your facial hair. He said, Shnanamguru Yasko, please. Apadapadu. Take a bath once in a while. My love, once in a while? How often do you want to take me, me to take a bath? Every day, Johnny. Every day. And the next day, you know what, Johnny? It's a clean shave. Well clothed. Dio. What has happened? Expulsive power of a competing affection. What has happened? Something more desirable has replaced a lesser desire. Something which is more desirable, God, has been less, has been replaced by a lesser desire to sin. Do you have this experience? Do you believe that you can have it? Mm -hmm. Yes? How many of you believe that you can have it? As your faith, so it shall be done unto you. Be very careful when you raise hands and not raise hands. Okay. Why? Because, you know, ultimately God wants to bring pleasure to himself. Ultimately, he wants to be pleased. So what is he doing? You know, what is he doing? For we are his workmanship. You know, the word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema, which means poem. 
Only two times it is given in the entire Bible. It says, the invisible attributes of God, His eternal power and divine nature are being clearly expressed through the things that have been made. Same word, poema. In other words, you know what? The entire creation is a poem. Entire creation. That is the reason why when I was, uh, pastor was sending those, those WhatsApp, uh, I was looking at this and wow. Oh, poem, Lord. Poem. That's a poem, Lord. You did this by deliberate design. Something was there inside of it. You love us and therefore you're experience, expressing yourself through creation. That's a poem. And so what does God want to do with us? He wants to write a poem. We are God's poem. He's writing a poem, a love letter. In other words, a poem. No? We all love, love, love letters, right? We love love letters. At least if it's very silly also. Without Hindi also. I didn't know Hindi, but my, those days my fiance was from Delhi, so I had to impress her with Hindi. So she thinks that I'm very good at Hindi and she sends me Hindi forwards. I have no idea what that fellow is talking about. So one day one fellow told me, he said, Kalam hai mere paas, kagaz hai mere paas, lekin kya likhun, dil hai tere paas. And I said, Vava, Vava, Shabash. <laughs> you see, you see, what is happening over there? A poem expresses something totally different, right? It expresses emotions which are so deep for words. And you know what? There is a deliberate attempt. You think about it. You, there is emotion involved. There is intelligence involved. There is rationality involved. There is the likes and dislikes involved. Everything. You just make a concerted effort to express something in words. That is the reason why I love hymns. I just love them. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. Died he for me that caused him pain? For me who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou my God should die for me? This mystery all. Immortal dies. Who can explain his strange design? In vain the firstborn set of Christ to explore the depths of love divine. This mercy all let earth adore. Let angel minds inquire no more. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? That's a poem. Filled with theology. Filled with emotion. Filled with music. Filled with love. That's what God is doing. But what happens most of the time? You know what happens? When he is writing, it's like, oh no, it's like an art, piece of art. Or let me say, it's, an, it's like an embroidery. I got this uh, analogy from Corrie ten Boom. Plagiarized. So I did not plagiarize, I'm, I'm citing her, okay? I'll not give you the the message title. Go and search for it. Okay. So, so what, she, what she says, you know what? Our life is like this embroidery. You know? When somebody is knitting it, when you look at it on the other side, how does it look? Jagged, messy, and you're saying, Lord, what are you doing? Look at my life. It's such a mess, Lord. Such a mess, such a mess, such a mess. Such a mess, such a mess, such a mess. You know what God's saying? I'm writing a poem, son. I'm writing a poem, daughter. You don't want to see the other side? It's like this. It's beautiful. This is what I'm doing. This gives me pleasure. This gives me pleasure. Okay. How many of you want to give God pleasure? Is it possible to have pain and joy at the same time? Is it possible? 
You know, it is only possible in the life of a believer. It doesn't matter what kind of circumstances that you're going through. You can experience joy and pleasure at a different level altogether. When you have extreme poverty, you know what happens? You can also have extreme joy. How do I know that? I didn't say it. Scripture will say. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. We, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. Wow! How can extreme poverty and abundance of joy go together? Have you seen a beggar on the streets? Am Does he have joy? I'm poor, I'm poor, I'm poor. Please give me money. No. And this is what he says. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of generosity on their part. You know why they understood when I give, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I give God pleasure. When I give him pleasure, I have pleasure. I have pleasure. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Not forcing. Begging us earnestly for the favor. You know what they're saying? You know what? It is our privilege to give to you, they were saying. It is our privilege. I told you, I'll tell you something, you know. When you go to poor villages, when you go there to some poor homes, how they honor men of God, you will be ashamed. You'll just hang your head in shame. Unbelievable. And not, only, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the reason why we say, if you have not given your heart to the Lord, don't give your money. You know why? Because that money is not going to give you pleasure. We want you to have pleasure in giving. Enjoy giving. It's amazing. Christendom uh, is full of Contradictions, so to speak. But in that contradiction is a mystery. It's like order out of chaos. That is the reason why it's called cosmos. And that is the reason why we get the word cosmetic. Order out of chaos. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. (laughs) Okay. Esteeming the reproach. Next verse. Hebrews chapter 11. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked for the reward. What is that? This is Moses again. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 12 to 14. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him. Because Jesus did this, therefore, let us go outside the camp bearing his reproach for Here, we have no lasting city. This is the last point for the day. You know something? Nobody enters heaven merely because of the fear of hell. Those who are in hell don't want to be there. That is the reason why it's called hell. Okay? Those who are in hell don't want to be there. That is the reason why it is called hell. They want to be Outside hell, but they don't want to submit to God. They think they don't deserve it. 
You know, how many of you have seen this movie, Shawshank Redemption? Shawshank Redemption, 28 times at least. Okay, so many times, I don't know, countless. There's a very fantastic scene in that movie where uh, the first ba- the prisoners are coming with uh, Andrew Andrew Dufresne, Dufresne, Andrew Andy Dufresne. Okay, the protagonist of the movie. He comes into the prison for the first time. The first, I mean, uh, there's a batch of new prisoners entering into the prison. And all the veteran prisons are standing outside and they're looking at this new batch coming in and they're, you know, casting their bets. You know, they're saying, what is the bet? They want to bet on the first guy who's going to break down and cry that night, the first night. So the bunch of guys are coming, they're walking into the, into the prison and then, and then, and, and the one guy looks at him and says, that guy, that lanky tall guy, Andrew Dufresne, that fellow is going to break down first. And another guy looks and he says, no, 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 that, that fatty, fat fellow over there, that guy is going to break down first. Another guy looks and no, 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 that guy is going to break down first. They all have bets and they, they bet with cigars and smokes, etc. So they go into the, go into the prison and night comes. And all the seniors start taunting the, 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 the lights out, doors close, everything. They start, you know, making sounds, etc. And suddenly after a few minutes, they hear the first cry. Who is it? It's not this tall, long, lanky guy. It's the other fat guy. And he starts crying and he crying and he, and you should listen to what he says. He says, you know, he starts crying and, and, and people are saying, why are you crying? And he says, I was not supposed to be here. I was not supposed to be here. There was a mistake. I was not supposed to be here. I don't deserve this. I don't, des-. you know, when I, when I thought about it, that's exactly how hell is going to be like. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. This is a mistake. They want out, but they can't change. They can't repent. I'm not supposed to be here, you know. On the other hand, people in heaven, you know what they are saying? Lord, we are not supposed to be here. (laughs) We are not supposed to be here. That's what is happening. It's a classic irony. What it tells me is this. Nobody goes to heaven because of the fear of hell. Because of intimidation. God does not intimidate people. I'm going to punish you. If you don't obey me. Which he does. But that is not how he's not going to win over his people. You know how he's going to win over his people? This is exactly what you know the fall did. This is 316. We know this verse very well. I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bear. Uh, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. That's what happened after the fall. What is, what is madam doing? Desire means she is plotting like a lion. That's what it means. You know what a lion does? Crouching. Deceiving. Trying to get an upper hand over the prey. That is what the woman is trying to do in a marriage, trying to manipulate her husband. And the husband says, Madam, I'm too strong. You're not going to do that to me. Intimidation, manipulation. I will get my work done through you because I'm going to, if you don't do it, I will also get my work done through you. If you don't do it, go to Vepadu. You'll also get it. So there's this um, power struggle that is going on. But you know what God does in order to, in order to win our allegiance? He doesn't intimidate. He doesn't manipulate. He dies for us. He allures us. He pleads with us. He courts us. Look at what it says in Hebrews Hosea chapter 2 verse 14. Therefore behold, 
I will allure her. Bring her back into the wilderness and speak tenderly with her. That is what I am going to do. And that is how he is going to win over us. So what, did, what, is, what does Moses do? What is he says? Esteeming the reproach of Christ. You know what, Lord? What you have done to me? The least I can do is to live my life for you. You don't have to twist my arm. William Neville, he wrote a fantastic hymn, which I'm teaching my children at school. Beautiful hymn. You have to see this. And it's interesting that I was teaching this hymn and it was part of my mind. I was just loving the song. And Corrie ten Boom, <laughs> in one of her sermons, at the end she sings this. I said, boy, love that. Oh, she's, this is how it goes. Years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not for me that, that for me he died on Calvary. I didn't care. But at last, what is, what is it saying? But at last, by God's word, at last, my sin I learned, I didn't, I didn't come over. Then I trembled at the law I spurned till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Sorry. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Why? Because he did all this to me. He didn't twist my arm. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And the refrain says, Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. At Calvary. And what happens? Now I give to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. You don't have to twist my arm, Lord. You don't have to twist my arm. The way you loved me, I love you because you first loved me. Therefore, any reproach, bring it on. That is Moses for you. That is Moses for you. That is exactly what Jesus did for all of us at Calvary. So this morning, can we all stand up in the presence of the Lord and spend a few moments in prayer? So many things have been spoken this morning. Not everything might be for you, but I believe that God has spoken specifically to every one of us this morning through the word. God wants us to make make us into faithful people in these last days. Last days, time is already here. John tells in John's gospel, he says, little children, it is the last hour. And you know many antichrists have come by which we know it is the last hour. And this morning, just say, Lord, I have so many prejudices in my heart against people. Expose it. Let me not be like the disciples, the Pharisees who looked down upon others. 
Lord, I enjoy sin. I enjoy it, Lord. I enjoy alcohol. I enjoy pornography. But Lord, it doesn't give me satisfaction because it will not meant to give me satisfaction. Only you can. Father, replace those joys, those pleasures with your pleasure. Give me a heart to love you because you promised that you would circumcise my heart so that I will love you with all of my heart. Do that in my heart this morning. Lord, enable me to love you, to respond to the way that you love me. You never try to intimidate me. You never try to manipulate me. In fact, you told the disciples, do you want to also go away when the teaching became hard? They said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And you looked at the the 11 and 12 and he said, do you also want to go away? You were never going to arm twist them. You were never going to intimidate them. You were only looking for a response and Peter said, Lord, where can we go? You and you alone have the words of life and therefore, Lord, this this morning we just want to confess along with Peter. Lord, we have nowhere to go. You and you alone have the words of life. Father, speak to your people, O Lord. Speak to your people, O Lord, this morning. Speak. Father, I've unburdened my heart, what you have laid on my heart. And I pray, Lord, whatever has been spoken this morning is acceptable in your sight. And I pray, Father, for young men, young women, older men, older women, Father, middle-aged, married, unmarried, bachelor, spinster. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would touch every one of us. Father, enable us to discern what your will is. Make us into people, O Lord, who will be able to know what the heart of the Father is. Enable us to try, O Lord, to discern what pleases you. O Lord, you said, Lord, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. O Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, even as we respond by faith, O Lord, that you would fill fill our hearts with love for you this morning. Fill our hearts with love for you this morning. Touch every one of us this morning, O Lord. O Father, let your word continue to burn in our hearts. Let it not be stolen by the enemy, O Lord. Let it bear fruit in our lives, O Lord. Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this morning. We thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of your shepherd. All these years, we just want to thank you, God, for his life, his testimony. Lord, we just want to thank you. We thank you, Father, for GDC at Jamshedpur, O Lord. We thank you, Father, for five years of your faithfulness. We want to thank you, Father, for Pastor Eric and his wife, We thank you, Father, for all the members of the congregation, all those who are loyal to your body. We thank you for every one of them, O Lord. Father, we just remember them this morning. I pray, Lord, this year, O Lord, that they will experience abundance in their lives, O Lord. Father, in a year of overflow, I pray, Lord, this year, truly, as you have spoken into our lives, will be the year of destiny for so many of us. And I pray, Lord, each one of us in this church and all around the world will position themselves by faith to receive the destiny that you have for them, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Pray, Father, for young men, young brothers struggling, O Lord. Father, vacillating between two opinions, O Lord. Having the desire to please you, yet having also the desire to please their friends and their peers. You know them, O Lord. You touch them, Lord. Touch every one of us this morning. 
touch us this morning. Oh Father, convict us, challenge us. Speak us, speak to us, speak into us life. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you. We just want to thank you, Father. We just want to lift up holy hands this morning. And we want to just bless your holy name. Just raise up your hands this morning and just bless God and say, Lord, I surrender my heart to you. I believe that God has spoken to so many of us this morning. And the word that God has spoken, let it not come back word. Let it, ex- let it pr- accomplish its purpose. Thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us, with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.